All right, so today, year of the Bible. Uh, we've been on year of the Bible for since the beginning of the year because it's year, <laughs> year of the Bible. And, and if you dropped off, like if you started strong, because we sometimes do that with the Bible reading, right? We're all in and we're like, oh man, it's like diets. Day one, we're excited. And then day two, we're like, yeah, fruity pebbles. So if you started off strong, I'm going to invite you to jump back in right now. Like today, get the reading plan. It's out there. It's online. Because now we've moved from Luke to John. And John is my favorite book in the entire Bible. I love this book of the Bible. There is so much joy in it and so much peace and so much hope. And John was an incredible guy who knew Jesus. As a matter of fact, at one point in John's book, John calls himself the disciple who Jesus loved. Isn't that good? Kind of cocky a little bit. Who are you, John? Oh, I'm the one he loved. Duh. <laughs> I'm John, right? But I love it. I mean, John was that confident. Like he knew Jesus. So he's not writing about what he heard about. He's not writing about what he read about. John is writing about what he saw and what he experienced. And so this book of John that we're going to go through is letters that John wrote. John had no idea that he was writing the New Testament of the Bible. Uh, he was just writing letters to friends. And the purpose of his letters that he was writing to friends, and John has an agenda. Like he's super, super clear about his agenda. His agenda was so that you would know who the one true God was and that you would know who Jesus was, the real Jesus, not the one we made up on the way to church, that you would know the real Jesus. And because you knew the real Jesus, you would fall in love with the real Jesus. And because you fell in love with him, you would give him your life. That's John's agenda. And he's clear about it. Like he wants you to know who Jesus is and he wants you to surrender your life to that Jesus. And so I, I'm gonna... For like, I'm going to preach three times over the next five weeks because a couple, of, a couple of Sundays in there, I'm just going to kind of step back and breathe a little bit. But for all three of my Sundays, I think I'm just going to preach from John. And I have uh, no real, I don't know exactly where I'm going. I'm just reading John and then I'm, and then I'm finding things I like and I'm going to tell you things I like about Jesus. But I have an agenda because I do want you to know that. And my agenda is those of you who know Jesus, that you would love him a little more at the end of this. That if, if you kind of know him, if you kind of love him, you're going to love him a lot more. Like, even if you've loved him for years, I believe if we will humble ourselves and open our mind to hear John a brand new time, maybe in a different way, that we will fall more in love with Jesus than we've ever been. I'm talking about like the end of notebook, like that kind of love, this incredible love that goes beyond all human understanding. So if you know him and if you love him, my agenda for you is that you will know him and love him more. And if you don't know him and you don't love him, I am so glad you're here. I want you to know I've been praying for you. And some of the yous I've been praying for, I've been praying for by name. Because I want you to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm not going to apologize for that. My agenda is that you would surrender everything you have to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that through your decision to do that, you would experience the life you were created for. So I've got an agenda. If you don't like that, you should probably uh, skip for a few weeks, but that's my agenda. I believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, someone is gonna give their life to Christ over the next five weeks, maybe, maybe multiple someones. You might be sitting there thinking, not me. Yeah, probably you. It may be you, but we are going to win souls. Amen? 
We know the agendas. Uh, you get that on the table, then you, can, then you can move forward. So I also think it's important for people to understand, I am going to talk about some things in John. You're going to hear some things even today that I don't fully understand. If you think you understand the whole Bible, like, oh, bless your heart. You, you don't. Neither do I. And so I'm going to talk about some things that I believe based on a, a little word we call faith. I don't really fully understand it, but I believe it. But there's lots of things that I love that I don't fully understand. I love my family. I love my family, but my family is made up of a woman, a teenage boy, and a six-year-old girl. I don't understand any of those things, right? I don't know. They're all three, all complex and moving around, and one day they're here, and then they're there. I don't know. I'm pretty stationary. Not them, but I don't understand those three beings, but I love them. You don't have to fully understand something to love it. I love sunrise and sunset. I don't understand. One of you going, well, that's gas. You're a nerd. Nobody understands. No one understands sunrise or sunset, but yet we still love it. You don't have to understand something fully to love something fully. So I'm going to ask you just to, to use your imagination and exercise this muscle that God gave you called the faith muscle. Use it a little bit today. Believe what you cannot see and see what God is willing to do. Amen? So for the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about John, and we're not going to get very far in John today, but we're going to start with John 1, 1 through 3, and it says this. In the beginning was the Word. This is so good, man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. All right. Jesus is the Word of God. I want you to say it with me just for fun. Jesus is the Word of God. You got to say it with pace. See, like a pastor. Jesus is the Word of God. Good job. So that's where we're going to start. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the eternal, creative Word of God. In the beginning of that verse, it says, in the beginning was the word. So in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus has always been. He was not created like you and I. He's just forever. And if I've already lost him, man, I get it. That's tough. I don't fully understand that either. But he's not bound by time. He's not bound by space. He has always been in the beginning forever. Jesus and God are eternal forever, okay? In the beginning was the word. And all things were created through him. Everything that has been created was created through Jesus. Jesus is the creative word of God. Imagine like a divine paintbrush, like the God just, he creates everything that has been created through Jesus. Jesus is the eternal creative force of God. All right, so we're going to learn a word today, okay? Actually, we're going to learn more than I should have ever packed in one sermon, but it is. There's a word that they use to describe Jesus. In, in this part of the Bible, and it would have been very familiar with John's audience. So when it says the word became flesh, the term that they're using for word is a term called logos. And the logos is the divine will of God. So, so people would describe the creation of the earth by talking about the logos, the logos. They would say the logos or the logos is what separated uh, chaos from order. God's divine will, God's inner, inner when God would 
move, when God would mediate between people, when God would talk to us, it was the logos. It was the divine will of God amongst men, okay? This verse is saying that that's Jesus. Jesus Christ is the divine logos, the will of God, the creative, the eternal, the, the, the forever, the authoritative. Jesus Christ is the will of God. I think that's amazing. You begin to understand who this person really is that we love so much. And as cool as that is, they actually take it one step further. In John 1.14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Not only is Jesus the, the eternal creative word of God, here's another word for us. He's the incarnate word of God. Incarnate means one who has taken on flesh. So this divine perfect, for, and I know this stuff is deep, but stick with me. This divine, perfect, eternal, creative will of God actually took on flesh and came to dwell among us. The power of God, the authority of God, the artistic beauty of God, the humor of God, everything took on flesh and came to dwell among us. Y'all remember when you read Exodus, any of y'all? Some of you have tried to erase it from your memory. It was, felt, like, felt like it was eight years. We read it for like three weeks. Y'all remember Exodus? All right. In Exodus, there was something called the tabernacle. You with me? Say it with me. It's fun. Tabernacle. Some of y'all didn't say it. Tabernacle. Doesn't that sound nice? So God made his dwelling amongst people through something called the tabernacle. And when God created the tabernacle, I, I could say that over and over because it makes me laugh tabernacle. When God created this tabernacle, he gave incredibly specific details on what was to happen, right? He was like, I want blue curtains. I want them right here. I want to be five foot long by eight foot wide, whatever. I want a six pound candlestick over here. I want a, you know, a golden, a golden donkey, right? I want all, I want all these things. I don't want to be exactly like I'm telling you. Like he was super specific. And if you didn't do it the way he told you, he wasn't like, oh, that's okay. You couldn't say, God, I know you said blue, but I got purple. Because if you did that, dead. Right? Like God was serious. He, he made the type A women I, I work with look laid back. I mean, he, he, really, he really wanted it a certain way. Y'all are what you are. But he, God loves you. He, he wanted it a certain way. And that was the way it was going to be. And he wanted it that way for a reason because these Israelites had lived in captivity with the, with the Egyptians for 400 years. And they'd been worshiping gods that they had created. And so God was like, you've got this twisted. Now you're gonna worship me and you didn't create me, I'm the creator. And so you're gonna do everything my way. Every single button in that room is gonna be where I tell you to put it because I am in charge. So Christ, God dwelt with his people through the tabernacle. And then Jesus comes. Whereas God at one point had been with his people through a place, now God would be with his people through a person. And so the word that when they said uh, the word became flesh and came to dwell among us, the word they're using there is tabernacle. So God was now tabernacling, tabernacling, through Jesus. God tabernacled, you can make this a verb, whatever. God tabernacled through Jesus. So Jesus was now the place where people would interact with God. And Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me. 
God was still setting the rules and the parameters, but it went from a place to a person. And then at one point, Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave and he ascended into heaven. And when he did, the Holy Spirit came. And now God doesn't reside in a person. He resides in a people. God is now tabernacling in you. Like you are now the tabernacle of God. Tabernacle, 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 tabernacle. God is tabernacling, tabernacling, chopping broccoli. <laughs> God is now tabernacling in you. Like, I think, I think that for me, like, of the things I like about Jesus, I think this is so incredibly cool because it started with a, with a place and it was like you had to do all these things and, it, and then it became a person and, and Jesus was exactly who he said he was and then Jesus goes to heaven and now God, the creator of all universe, actually lives in me and he's still setting the rules. He still controls the rules of engagement. He still talks about how I'm going to live and what I'm going to do. He is still in charge but we are now a holy people, set apart. And as cool as that is, there's something even cooler. In verse 14, uh, 114, again, it says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Hebrews 4.15 says this, and this is good too, guys. This is probably one of the coolest things in the world about Jesus for me. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Oh, my goodness. The core of what I believe is not about some obtuse spiritual being out somewhere. It's about a God who became a person. It's about a God who, there's a word in there, can empathize with me. This is not about a religious experience. This is about a personal relationship with a God who can empathize don't you wish the church were known more for empathy and less for judgment? Because we have a God who empathizes. Like, how does that change the way you approach God? If you think you're approaching this fiery, angry God who's about to smite you, and he's always mad, and he's so disappointing you, you approach him one way. But if you realize you're approaching a high priest who empathizes like every single thing you have experienced, he understands. He didn't sin. He, he understands these things, but he didn't sin. He was perfect, but he understands. He gets you. Like there is nothing you can go through that our high priest does not empathize with. What He's not mad at you. He's not mad about your addiction. He's not mad that you're mourning. He's not mad about that desire. His heart is breaking because he empathizes and he loves you. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Come to me. Come to me. It's never what I wanted for you. He's not mad. He's not mad at you. He empathizes. He understands. He's willing to allow his perfect self to understand the thoughts, the emotions, the desires, the hang-ups of imperfect people. I love that about my God. I love that about my God. He's not up there mad at me, man. He's up there going, oh, Tommy, let's try again. Like he's like, you're so close, Tommy. Just take that next step. Just take that next step. Let's, let's, we can do this this time. Get up. Like a father, when you're watching your son fall, when they're trying to learn to walk, or your daughter, he's like, no, just try again. 
you've got this. We can do this. Believe in me. Trust in me. Take one more step. I'm going to catch you. That's the God that I'm in love with. I don't know what God you've been exposed to, but John wants you to love the real God, and that is the real God, one who can empathize with what you're going through. It's amazing, man. It's, and it's, 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 we, Jesus is the mediator between us and God, right? But it's not like God isn't this angry judge and Jesus is the defense lawyer. Because in this weird thing, the lamb died for us on the cross, but so did the lion. The innocent died on the cross, but so did the judge. Because not only is Jesus the word of God, not only is Jesus the logos of God, not only is Jesus the one who can empathize with you, not only is Jesus eternal and creative and authoritative, but Jesus is God. He's God. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God in the beginning. I love the way Paul describes this in Hebrews chapter one when he says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and at many times and in various ways. But in this last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Listen to what Matthew that was Paul, but Matthew hung out with Jesus. Matthew knew Jesus, and this is what Matthew wrote in Matthew 1.23. He said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is God with us. So Jesus is unique and different, but he's God. He's not God, but he is God. How's that? I'll see you next week. I mean, they're different, right? They're different, but Jesus is God. And I, I struggle with this sometimes because my mind can't possibly wrap around this because I was not created to understand the Trinity fully and completely. And too many of us, we dismiss this because we can't understand this. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't under, matter whether you understand it, it matters, will you believe it? Will you believe it? But this is the Jesus that saves souls. And so to put your faith in a different Jesus is a risky proposition. He is God. And like, I mean, I guess I can kind of understand it because I am, you are, body, mind, and spirit, right? We get that. My body is, is unique from my mind, and my mind is unique from my spirit. I am three different things, body, mind, and spirit, yet they're all completely me. They're all completely different, but they're all completely me, right? So I can kind of understand that. But the best thing I can do to describe the Trinity is metaphor. Like I can give you some sort of like or as statement, but I don't fully understand it. And I'm okay with that because I don't want a God I can fully understand. I don't need that. I don't need a God that I can create and manipulate and understand. I need a God who's bigger than me and more powerful than me and maybe has just a little bit of mystery. That way I can spend forever getting to know him. He's fully, fully God, but he's Jesus. In verse 4, it says this. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He's the light of all mankind. In him was life. There's basically four things 
that you need to survive in this world. Uh, they are light. You, if the sun goes away, bye. The sunshine is gone. We're all going to die. Uh, so dream about that tonight. You need light. You need food. You need water. And you need air, right? You need light, food, water, and air. If you don't have those things, you're not lost. You're dead. Like if you don't have light, food, water, and air, it's not like you're going, I sure wish I had light, food, water, and air. It's going to be such a long day. It's not like taking your Nintendo away. You're dead if you don't have those four things. You must have light, food, water, and air to survive. And Jesus Christ is the spiritual satisfaction of all four of those things. It says he is the light of the world. He, he is the reason you have life. Like you may not get that yet and you may not know that yet, but he is the reason you have life. And without him, you're dead. You're not lost, you're dead. You're a dead man walking. Away from Christ, you do not have life. And not only is he the light of the world, and I think we've come to believe that he's a flashlight that we use to find our path. No, he's the light that allows you to have a path. He is the light that allows you to move and to breathe. and Whatever you have in you is because of the authoritative word of God created you. You have life. You have light because the light of the world gave it to you. Bread and water. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. I wish, I wish we could have a moment of total honesty, but who would want to do that in church? Where we could all say, how many things have we tried to satisfy our hunger and thirst other than God? Like half of us are here because we tried everything else and this was our last resort and I fall in that category. Like I tried everything else. I looked for anything that would satisfy me, anything that would quench this thirst, this void in me, and I would take it, and I would use it or do it or whatever, and I was trying to figure out my life. And what I realized is none of these things are satisfying me because they weren't meant to satisfy me. The bread of life, God himself, Jesus Christ, he is the only thing that will ever satisfy you. And if you think you're gonna find it somewhere else, then why are you here right now? Because in your heart, you know the truth that you are completely dissatisfied with the life you've done on your own. And in your dark and in your quiet hour, there is a pain in you that nothing you have ever tried to find is going to heal. Because Christ alone can satisfy that hurt in you. Christ alone can satisfy that insecurity. Christ alone can satisfy that void that you have in your life. He's the air that you breathe. He is the breath of life. Without, I want to say this, and, and, I, and I know what it sounds like, but I got to say it. I have to say this again because I know there's someone right now listening. Apart from him, you are dead. But in him, you will have life. And why? Why did the divine word of God the Lagos, why did, he, why did he come? Why did he give us life? Why does he give us breath? It's in John 1, It said, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He came, this divine word of God, God himself took on flesh and he came to take away the sin of the world. And why does he care so much about sin? Because sin is destroying you and it's destroying me. 
And sin is separating us from God. And so he came and he went through all these things to take away the sin so that you might stand forever with him. The king of the world came to remove the sin of the world. He came to rescue you. God, through Jesus Christ, did not come to condemn this world. And I'm sorry if you've gotten that message from us. Christ did not come into the world to condemn you. He came in the world to save you. He came in the world to save you. And if you will place your faith in him, you will have eternal life. And so let, let, me, just, let me just talk to you for a second. If you've walked away from God, it's time to come back. If you've walked away from God, it's time to come back. Maybe you've forgotten how incredibly beautiful he is. Maybe you've gotten so far. Y'all remember that moment when you were at rock bottom and he was the air you breathe and he was the bread and he was the water and he was the light and he was everything because he was all we had in that moment. And as we start to get better, as we start to get healed or whatever, we start to get further and further from the source. And let me tell you, you're walking towards death. You're walking away from life and you're walking towards death. And if you continue in that direction, death is what you will find. He was the one when you were at the bottom and he wants to be with you all the time. So if you've walked away, it's time to come back. And if you've never met him before, today is the day. Today may be the day you make a decision that could change your eternity, not just yours. But God has a plan for you that goes far beyond your purpose you don't even know. Man, your children's children's legacy may be changed because you decide to give your life to Christ. You do not know what he is doing in this minute. Jesus didn't beg anybody to accept Jesus. And I wish he would let me beg you, but I can't. But I wish he would let me. I wish he would say go, because I would. Because you need him so bad. And so do I. But he came to set us free. And he's everything. And apart from him, there's nothing. And you're going to find that out with him, or you're going to find that out apart from him. But it is my prayer for every single one of you that you make the right choice. And if this feels like pressure, I don't care. Feel pressured. It's going to be a lot better than anything else. I do not speak to you as someone who cannot empathize. I speak to you as one who tried everything else. And I settled on the only thing that set me free. Your high priest knows you. He knows your heart. He knows your mind. He knows your fear. Give him a chance.